If you ask us to describe our ideal Sundays, all that we will want is a never-ending supply of hot kappa and laid-back conversations. So that is what we are bringing to you through Kappa Press, a marketing and sales talk show series by Paperflight. Today's episode is a conversation with Melissa Madian, founder of TMM Enablement Services. Melissa has also authored two books, one of them being Enabler, I hardly know her. How to make the sales experience not suck. This conversation is going to be sort of a beginner's guide to sales enablement. So if you're all set, let's dive in. Melissa, if you have to equate sales enablement to an everyday concept that all of us are familiar with, what would that concept be? So sales enablement, if if I were to take it completely out of a business context, uh, sales enablement is like the uh, bouncer to a really fantastic nightclub where everyone in the nightclub is a revenue generating function. And so it's sales, it's account managers, and they're all having a great time talking with clients and talking with prospective customers in the nightclub. And sales enablement is the bouncer that uh, stops just anyone from entering into the nightclub and says, hold on, why do you want to enter this club? Are you delivering some sort of training? Are you providing information that will help this, the revenue generating functions inside the club have a really great discussion with the prospective clients? Um, and is it packaged in a way that's going to make sense? So, uh, you know, like the bouncers usually say, well, I can't let you in because you're not wearing the appropriate attire. So go change your attire, come back, and then I'll let you in. Um, so that, that's essentially what sales enablement is. It's the uh, process tools, training for revenue generating functions to close more business faster while also creating a really great customer experience. And so for me, the bouncer analogy works well because that's the layer uh, between everybody trying to get sales's ear and the salespeople who are just trying to have really great conversations with their customers. Love that, Melissa, love that. I think um, that was a fantastic start to today's conversation on Kapapres. Firstly, thank you so much for joining me, um, Melissa. I hope we have an incredible conversation and I learn a lot about sales enablement. Right. So the way I see it, um, sales enablement still seems to be a very fuzzy term, right? A lot of people use it and they mean it in different contexts. And as far as I understand it, um, I think it's sales enablement kind of is the trinity of content, tools, and training. Is that right? Or am I missing something else here, Melissa? Yep, I, I would add process as well. So uh, process and, and behaviors, because from a, from a, um, if you are selling something that is a considered purchase, so we're not talking about selling toothbrushes, you don't need enablement to sell a toothbrush. Uh, you don't need enablement to sell, you know, a face cream. Uh, but, uh, but when you're talking about, you know, business to business, complicated software solutions, uh, massive um, uh, office furniture, construction pods, that sort of thing. Like when you're talking about a considered purchase, chances are you're, and you have a revenue generating function. So you have someone responsible for selling uh, or keeping the current customers or growing the customer base. What the sales enablement function does is just empowers those folks. 
uh, because if you leave it up to them, you'll have you know seven different responses to the question, what do you do? What Sales Naoma does is it provides, it's that sort of one-stop shop of process, of training, of tools, of are they exhibiting the right behaviors and coaching to those right behaviors. Uh, it sort of all encompasses all of those things with the intended goal of helping those folks who are talking to customers and prospective customers with what they need to close more business faster, while also making sure that the mm. customers are, are having a great experience along the way. Fantastic. That does give me a lot more clarity. Right. So I see a lot of moving paths here in sales enablement, Melissa. If you have to say the key traits to be found in a sales enablement leader, what do you think those key traits would be? Yeah, um, I find it is helpful, not required, but definitely helpful if the sales enablement person has had sales experience. Now, I'm biased because I was a quota carrying sales rep for many, many years, um, but I find that it just, it helps come from a place of experience and it just helps to lend credibility when you're, you know, when you're out there talking to salespeople, you understand you, you've been in their shoes. That's not to say that a really great sales enablement leader can't come from marketing, they absolutely can, but always keeping in mind who is your end customer. And your end customer, when you're in sales enablement, your end customer is the, the revenue generating function. It's the salesperson, it's the account manager. So the really good enablement leaders are the ones that always keep in mind that the end consumer of your training, of your uh, content is the, the revenue generating person and not necessarily the end customer. And the, the really good sales leaders, uh, sales enablement leaders always consider that. Um, and ones that are always willing to listen. Uh, so listen and actually see how the sellers are experiencing their day-to-day -day lives and problem solvers. So really great enablement professionals are problem solvers that can actually see and identify things that are not necessarily uh, working in a, in a sales cycle and uh, suggest fixes on on how to correct anything that might be going uh, going south in a sales cycle. Mm -hmm. That is very interesting uh, because you mentioned that people with sales experience will oftentimes make better sales enablement leaders. Uh, but what do you think happens when people transition from marketing to sales enablement? Do you think there is any downside to that? Yeah, there's no downside other than um, if you've never done the sales role before, it's just harder to understand when you're trying to enable a salesperson how to go about doing it. So so from my perspective, uh, and again, I'm biased because I was a, a salesperson, I just it, I find it a lot easier to understand my audience because I've had that experience. Uh, but from a marketing standpoint, if again, if you if you're a good listener and you uh, are a good problem solver and you're actively interested in how salespeople and account managers are going to market and uh, interacting with customers, and if you're genuinely interested in making sure that those folks have what they need in order to be successful, there's no reason why someone can't come from marketing to do that. Right, right, got that. We've spoken about sales enablement now a bit, uh, Melissa. Do you think it looks different when um, sales enablement is viewed in an SMB setup and when it comes to an enterprise? And if it is different, how different can it be? Yeah, so I, I've actually worked on both sides. I've, I've worked uh, for and with small startup-y 
software software as a service companies, and I've worked with large enterprise corporation uh, organizations. And usually, the the main uh, the main difference is the size of the enablement organization. That's really it. But the mandate of the organization of the sales enablement organization. The mandate, the purpose is still the same, whether it's a small company or whether you're at a large enterprise corporation, the function of enablement is to provide the process, the tools and the training for the folks who are responsible for interacting with customers um, for the purpose of creating new customers, keeping those customers and growing the existing customer base. So the function is the same. The size may be different. So, you know, when I worked at a large, you know, um, 15,000 salesperson organization, there was a much larger enablement team to support all of those folks versus when I worked at a small startup and it was just me for, you know, 20 salespeople. So the size changes, but the mandate is always the same. Talking about SMBs, Melissa, often what happens in SMBs is marketing is disguised as an enablement team, when in reality, all they're doing is really marketing. Right. So when do you realize the need for a dedicated sales enablement team, especially when you're talking about SMBs? Yeah. So with with market and I love marketing, right? They're they're absolutely and, and quite often marketing has to do enablement because there's nobody else in the organization to do it. Um, the main difference is marketing is coming at it from a brand and content perspective primarily. And, you know, our uh, are potential clients interacting with the content? Are they finding the content of value versus uh, enablement, which actually takes a look at the content is interesting, but are the skills there? Are the say like marketing doesn't necessarily uh, focus on the skills of the sales organization. They may have an opinion, but their their mandate as a as a marketing organization is not to improve the sales skills of the sales team. Um, so what enablement can do is actually take a look at what is the skills, what, what are the skills that are needed for a sales team to be successful at this organization? And when I look across all of those sellers, are they exhibiting the right skills and behaviors or do we need to do something here, either a process change or some training or some coaching to help sales professionals be successful at, at the organization? Um, so that's, um, so marketing, again, marketing has a different mandate than sales. There is a, a bridge between the two, but uh, you um, you can't rely on marketing to do everything <laughs> for the sales organization. Sales actually has to do some stuff too. <laughs> uh-huh. Love that. Love that, Melissa. As an next step, let's say I've understood um, what sales enablement is. I've understood how different it is in both of these setups, in an SMB and an enterprise setup. And now I've realized that there is a need for me to create a dedicated team as well. So how do you think I can go ahead and build the sales enablement team, Melissa? What does the plan of action look like here? Yeah, so how to, how to actually plan out the function or what to think about if you're, if you're in sales enablement? Let's start with what to think about when you get into sales enablement. Yeah, uh, start with sort of three pillars of enablement. There's, um, there are processes, there's skills and, and behaviors, and there's just knowledge. Like what, what am I selling? What are the sellers selling? Uh, to whom are they selling it? And how do they go about selling it? So 
just start simple. You know, do do I have everything I need in order to get this information across to the sales organization? Um, am, am I hiring a lot of salespeople? And so I need to make sure they're onboarded really quickly and know, you know, what am I selling and who am I selling uh, to whom am I selling and how do I go about selling it? Uh, so if if you think about it, uh, and I write about this, I, I wrote a book on sales enablement, so I write about this in my book. There's really just sort of three major things that enablement needs to think about. What are you selling? To whom am I selling it? And how do I go about selling it? And as long as you you wrap everything that you deliver around those three main pillars, you'll always know exactly where you are in your plan and how to execute your plan. That is very insightful, Melissa. I'm going to dig deeper here, uh, right? I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a while. Um, so let's say I've uh, figured out that this is how I should go ahead with sales enablement. And I've started executing the plan, but I end up committing a lot of blunders. So what are these? What are a few of these blunders that you've spotted in your experience, Melissa? Yeah, trying to do too much. I see that all the time when when you're an enablement person or a team, um, you want to you want to enable your sales force. You want your sales team to be successful. So your natural tendency is to say yes to everything. Yes, I'll do this training. Yes, I'll do I'll fix this thing. Yes, I'll buy this tool. The problem is every time you say yes, it starts to take you off your plan because now you're now you're just handling random acts of sales enablement versus having a plan and, and, and seeing if those requests actually fit into the plan that you've created. So I tell a lot of uh, up and coming enablers, it's okay to say no. If it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit into the key plan that you've developed with your sales leadership team, and that's the key too, enablement has to develop the enablement plan with sales leadership's uh, buy-in. Because if you don't have sales leadership behind you, doesn't matter what you develop, sales leadership is never going to roll it out and will never coach against it and will never hold their teams accountable to it. So um, biggest, big, two big mistakes. One is saying yes to too much and not sticking to the plan. And the second is not getting your plan uh, agreed upon and uh, held in partnership with your sales leadership. Fantastic. I mean, I think the partnership with sales leadership definitely is a crucial point here, uh, Melissa. And since we're talking about having a dedicated plan for sales enablement, let's try to break it down even further, right? What would you say success looks like in the first 30 days, first 60 days, and the first 90 days after you execute your plan and you, you've created a sales enablement function from scratch? So the, the first is um, just come in and assess what your current organization is doing for enablement. Um, the first thing you need to figure out is, it, are there folks in the organization doing enablement activities? They're just not called enablement. Marketing is usually a good one to look at because typically marketing is doing a lot of enabling, enablement work, but not actually called enablement. So just take a look at what, what exists, what training have folks had, um, what kind of tools people are using. So in your first 30 days, you can just get a sense of what's out there, what is happening. Uh, where are all the acts of enablement occurring within the organization? And then once you do that, you can start to create a plan and consolidate and, and determine, okay, um, sales leadership has determined that, you know, these three things are what we're going to focus on in 2021. 
I'm going to make sure that all of my enablement aligns to those things that sales leadership cares about. Mm-hmm. So how do you say it looks like for the first 30, 60 and 90 days? Uh, yeah, that, that's that's how it um, once you get into 90, you're actually executing your plan. Uh, but certainly for the first 30 days, just just spend time figuring out the lay of the land. That That's really all all you can do in your first 30 days, because there's probably stuff happening that nobody knows about that needs to be either put into a plan or retired gracefully because it's not helping anybody. Have a plan or retire gracefully definitely belongs in T-shirt, Melissa. Now that you've told me what success looks like in the short term, in the grand scheme of things, how do you really know if your enablement team is headed towards success or not? Um, it, it'll depend on the organization. So some organizations have certain training milestones that you need to hit. Um, if some organizations are scaling really rapidly, there might be some onboarding metrics that you want to hold yourself accountable to. But essentially, enablement's purpose is to help the sales team close a lot of business and close it quickly. So um, I would take a look at metrics around are deals accelerating through the pipeline since enablement function came into place? Um, are if you were rolling out a product training, um, a new product, uh, uh, and if enablement was rolling out a new product uh, to the sales team, are you actually tracking more opportunities related to that product after enablement has done their job and, and rolled that out to the sales team? Um, if you have um, uh, quotas for your sales team, and if you're if you're a really large organization and you're supporting just a, a smaller subset of the sales team, is that sales team hitting quota? And as a function of enablement doing their job, is the sales team hitting quota consistently? So again, depending on the size of your organization, the enablement team may need to hold themselves accountable to different things that are important to the organization to track. Talking about sales quotas, Marissa, what is a common belief, commonly held opinion rather, about sales enablement that a lot of people believe is true, but you know for a fact that it is not? Yeah, um, that enablement is training and that's it. That's, I hear that all the time. Enablement, uh, it's, just tra- it's just another word for training. Um, and that's, that's not it. I even get, you know, I, I, I get clients coming to me saying, can you deliver, you know, can you put in a training program? And my question is, what, what problem are you trying to solve that you think you need training for? And quite often the answer isn't, I need training. The answer is I need to actually do a fundamental change in how my sellers go to market, or I need to help my managers coach my sellers because that's where the break is. So to me, one of the most common misconceptions of enablement is it's just another word for sales training. And that's only a, a tiny uh, a tiny part of what enablement actually does. Well, you can be sure I'm never going to equate sales enablement to training after this conversation. All right. So this also brings me towards the close of this conversation, Melissa. So what are some of the resources that you will point beginners towards when it comes to sales enablement? Sure. Yeah, so the first resource I would point you to is my book. (laughs) So I wrote a book on sales enablement. It's called Enabler. I hardly know her. How to make the sales experience not suck. Uh, It's available on wherever you buy books online. Um, And and, uh, it really boils down. I mean, it's really I wrote it with the intent of um, if I've never done enablement before and I picked up this book, 
I would understand how to put in an enablement function in my organization, or I would just understand what enablement is. Maybe I'm a sales leader and I'm trying to figure this enablement thing out. It's a great resource for here's what enablement is and here's why you should care. Um, so um, much shameless self-promotion. My book's a great resource. My book is a great resource for that. Um, there's also lots of great stuff on um, analyst analyst reports like the Foresters and the Gartners and Serious Decisions and, and all those folks, uh, Sales Enablement Collective. There's lots of great uh, groups and websites out there that are um, independent, that are there to do the research and, and have uh, lots of really great information and feedback on, on sales enablement. Thank you so much, Melissa. And do you have any parting words for people who are still not convinced that they should kickstart their sales enablement efforts? Yeah. If you have a, a group of folks in your organization that are responsible for bringing in new business or keeping the business that you have or growing the existing customer base, you probably need someone to help those folks out so that they're saying the right things, they're talking to the right people, and they're um, augmenting your corporate culture in a way that's positive and creates a really great experience. Fantastic. Thank you for wrapping up the conversation, Melissa. I had an incredible time talking to you. I have a lot of key takeaways from this conversation. I had an incredible time and I hope you had an incredible time as well. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. 